How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com. I'm Rob DeMello, and joining me, as always, Spectrum Sports Analyst, former University of Hawaii player and coach Rich Miano and coach. It is how the West was won. The University of Hawaii football team on a triumphant night defeats San Diego State 14-11 this past Saturday to capture the Mountain West Conference West Division title. It was billed as the biggest game for the UH football program in over a decade. And boy, did it live up to the hype. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, the hype is obviously bigger than the actual event. But from a defensive standpoint, I thought they played their best game and it started very early it started often it lasted four quarters when i talk about frontline defensive line play that was the best i've seen the defensive line play in terms of actually getting off blocks making tackles the linebackers were coming down hills the corners had great coverage and the safeties i think played now two games in a row they played their best football and then cole mcdonald what he did in the first half what chevin did in the second half jason matthew sarge you know uh, jared smart i just thought that this was a complete football game against a very good football team and you talk about big players coming up big and big games it happened absolutely and the old saying goes teams win championships and this was a game that was won by the offense by the defense by special teams and by coaching. We will go over all of that from this past Saturday's game, the victorious effort against San Diego State. But before we do that, the overall scope, the magnitude of this game, what it means, and of course, it means that the University of Hawaii will be playing against Boise State on December 7th in Idaho for the Mountain West Conference Championship. It'll be the very first time in UH football history that they will be playing in a conference title. And remember, that goes back to the old whack days when there was a time in the Western Athletic Conference where it was split divisions and Hawaii had obviously never taken part in that in the years of being in the MWC, which started in 2012, has never been in this particular situation to be able to be a divisional champion and play for a conference title. For this program to get to this point, in the place that it has been not that long ago, mm -hmm. how big is this for University of Hawaii football and how big should the boast be and the boost be for this fan base? I think it should be huge. I mean, anytime you set your goals as a player or a coach, you know, you talk about your first goal is to, you know, wait, go to a bowl game and they've accomplished that that last week. Then you talk about winning a conference championship. Well, now they finally have that opportunity and that win and just playing in a game that had the magnitude to get to the conference championship has never been done in the state of Hawaii at Aloha Stadium with the University of Hawaii football team. So I hope that it resonates throughout the state that, you know, I think there was great interest, whether it was pay-per-view, whether they were at the game, whether they were following social media. I think the fans really appreciate that this team has gone through some adversity, but I think we almost forget the Arizona game, the Oregon State game, you know, the tough losses to three really good football teams, really four losses. And then all of a sudden, this team to be as resilient as they've been is a real testimony to this coaching staff and these players. You know, for good reason, one of the very first things you talked about at the start of this show was defense. And it was because this Rainbow Warrior wrecking crew really brought it against San Diego State. And the amazing thing is that you beat the Aztecs at their own game. Time of possessions, sure tackling, defensive effort, those are all trademarks of Rocky Long teams going back to the 1980s. And for this defense 
to be able to hold San Diego State to under 100 yards rushing, for them to be able to make the kind of tackles they did on third downs. How impressed are you with Corey Batoon's defense and the individual efforts, whether it's Corey Bethley with seven tackles, Solomon Montaltillo with seven tackles, Darius Muasau, mm -hmm. the true freshman out of Mililani, who every single week seems to be getting better yes. and better. He had a half a dozen tackles. Uh, just what more can you say about this defense and the growth of this defense over the last couple of weeks? Well, the fact that Corey Batoon never gave up on these players and the players never gave up on Corey Batoon because it was a little bit maligned for four games or so when teams were scoring points and averaging 500 yards. This is a defense now two weeks in a row that has played outstanding. And I, th and I said, I think in the pregame that Blessman Ta'ala has played well all year long, but when is it Kendall Hune. When is it Samuel Akuteo? When is it, you know, you know Podello was out of the game and guys stepped up for him like Derek Thomas. And then you talked about the linebacker play. And I looked at the linebacker play like Jeremiah Pritchett has always been one of the most violent, instinctive football players I've seen in a long time. But he was so violent from the very beginning, coming downhill. And you talked about Darius Musau, plays like a fifth-year senior, a leader that's lining guys up and so instinctive. And you talked about Solomon Maltaut. There's been some people that criticized his toughness in the past. No longer is he just a big play guy. He's an efficient, every down football player that's playing so well. And then I've been critical a little bit of the safeties at times. And the way you watched Iko Mokeke and Corey Bethley tackle and go to the football in the air because the corners, again, were shut down, lockdown type of corners. This, to me, is the best effort against the best football team. So proud of this defense. Io Natoa, the Warriors came to play. They absolutely did. And when you talk about this UH football defense, the thing I love about certain games, and especially games that, that are won by defenses, is that you look at the box score and you'll see certain names. Makai Manuai, Paul Scott, and Dewan Matthews. Those are three players that in the box score combined one tackle. But all three of those guys made huge plays that allowed teammates to get the tackle, that allowed teammates to get a tackle for loss. I, what does that tell you about a defense when you have players mm -hmm. like that that are making the plays on the field to the naked eye, to the fans in the stands, to the viewers on television, that they say this is a good football player because of the way they played against San Diego State, and then look at the box score and say, zero tackles? What? Yeah, well, what I look at is, I, first of all, you mentioned Corey Batoon, and you could talk about Mark Banker and Abraham Elamimim, Jacob Euro, Ricky Longo, this whole coaching staff, right? the injuries that happened, especially at the linebacker position, but Padello, their best defensive player being out. You look at the safety position, Hicks is no longer part of the rotation because he's injured. The job that they've done, and you mentioned some of these guys, and they may not show up in the statistics, but I'll guarantee you every single coach, when he hands out the grades, when he's grading the film, there's no such thing as a perfect football game, but when you do your 111th, when you play defense like this team played team defense this past week, they were so so many guys making plays, playing their best game of the season in their biggest game. This, to me, made anybody associated with Hawaii defense proud. And I'm telling you, Rob, most of the fans out there would rather see good, hard-hitting, tough defense than touchdown passes. Well, they didn't see a lot of <laughs> touchdown passes in this game. The University of Hawaii held the 14 points in victory. But when you look at that offensive effort, We've been talking about the quarterback situation with Nick Rolovich calls first world quarterback <clears throat> problems now for weeks. And it has always been 
Player A starts, player B bails them out, right? Whether it's Cole McDonald getting a start, Chevin Cordero coming in, saving the day. Or Chevin Cordero getting the start, Cole McDonald comes in and saves the day. And that is what created the never-ending narrative of who should start, whose team is this, what do you do in regarding the quarterbacks. This was the very first time that we saw both quarterbacks play and collectively win the game. This wasn't a situation where Cole McDonald got the start and wasn't playing well, so Cole, uh, so Chevin Cordero comes in. Mm -hmm. This was a situation where Cole McDonald led you to a halftime advantage. Right. Then San Diego State comes out in the locker room, and they're starting to blitz, something yes, they that were. they weren't doing in the first half. Mm -hmm. And light bulbs go off on that coaching staff, and whether it's Nick Rolovich or Craig Stutzman or Brian Smith or whoever it is involved in the decision-making says, Chevin Cordero will help us in this situation. And immediately, Chevin Cordero matriculates his way up the field using his legs, and the Rainbow Warriors are able to hang on for this victory. Uh, how big was having that moment where you can have a game where both quarterbacks mm -hmm. play well, and you can now enter the future games, and there will be at least three more games here on the schedule where opposing defenses, they don't have to prepare for both guys thinking that only one's going to beat you. Right. They have to prepare that, hey, at any point, if we show something on tape or if we show something on mm -hmm. the field, that may make them go to somebody else. So we better not do this one thing. If you're a, a defense that feels that Chevin Cordero is more of a kryptonite than Cole McDonald mm -hmm. is, you're going to be afraid to show certain things on the field, aren't you? Yeah, and you mentioned it, and I'm not even sure how it works statistically. Who gets the win? Who, you know, it's not like baseball when you know there's two men on base and this guy comes in, but that last pitcher is responsible for those guys. You mentioned it. These guys have been bailing each other out, but this particular game, I give them both winning efforts. That first drive that Cole McDonald had, he made every single throw that the next level, the NFL would appreciate in terms of dropping a dime in on cover two in a small window, beating man coverage and throw it to the back corner of the end zone. You know, finding, understanding that Luke Barku is taking away JoJo Ward, so we're going to go to Jason Matthew Sharsh. You know, we're going to get Smart more involved in the passing game. We didn't hear about Cedric Bird and JoJo Ward in the first half, but those other two receivers were doing their jobs, and the quarterback was doing his job. And so I thought he played spectacular in the first half, and then when they decided to go to the relief pitcher, I mean... Chevin is the one that extended drives, made plays, and he's slippery. He's Kyler Murray slippery. You can't get him down on the mat. And just when it looks like you have the team stopped on third down, Chevin picks up a first down, ends up with a 98, 99-yard drive, scores a touchdown. Both of these quarterbacks were responsible for this victory, and both should feel good about their performance. You brought up Jason Matthew Sharks, the Moana Lua product, the co-captain of this football team as a senior, 10 catches, 95 yards and a touchdown and you took the words right out of my mouth as far as when Cedric Bird and Jojo Ward are locked down because a game plan says we need to stop number six and number nine to have a number three to be able to be there for the quarterback uh, how big is that for this team and how big of an effort was that for a local boy to step up in like we've been talking about for an entire week before kickoff. The biggest game for this program in over a decade, and it seems only fitting that a public school product out of Moana Lua who had to fight his way back onto the football roster from going to a junior college first, Jason Matthew Sharsh, 
is the star of the game. Well, you know, when I talk about this team of destiny, when I talk about the success of this team, it started when you named Jason Matthew Sarsh as your captain, Isaiah Se'e, Kaimana Padello, you know, walk-on guys that have become great players. And you looked at this game. It reminded me of Cedric Bird against Arizona. The guy was throttling down in zones. He was finding windows. He was making people miss, understanding how to get first downs and clutch. And the catch he made, Jason and Matthew Sarsh in the back corner of the end zone. Mm -hmm. Man coverage. He adjusted his body. He high-pointed that ball. The athleticism he showed, and again, he made people miss. He did everything a wide receiver is supposed to do. That was a clinic to me, his best football game. And for a walk-on to do that in Hawaii's biggest game, really conference-wise, maybe ever, I thought that was huge, and it says a lot about the walk-on program. It says a lot about this coaching staff's belief in the local football player. One more thing about the offense. You saw the offensive line play well again, as they have all season. Now, they've had more penalties than we're used to seeing yeah. out of this unit because this has been such a clean unit. But with that being said, this was a game against San Diego State. R.J. Hollis said it perfectly in pregame where forget alignment and assignment. These are the Aztecs. These guys are coached by Rocky Long, which means... Physical, physical football and that offensive line despite not being mm -hmm. as clean as usual they match the physical physicality of San Diego State and really at the end of the day probably is what won this game for the UH football team yeah and you mentioned it I think after halftime they came out with confidence in their corners and in their safeties to match up and to play one high, which means they had an extra guy coming. It was no longer a three-man rush. It wasn't a four-man rush. There was five and six people coming on almost every snap. So this offensive line was challenged mentally and physically, and they held up to the challenge. And sometimes the quarterback bailed them out. But I think physically, this was the toughest challenge. And mentally, it was the toughest challenge because San Diego State on almost every play in the second half was bringing heat. So, I, you know, again, the offensive line, to me, played a very good football game. And the amount of work that Mark, Mark Weber, Brian Smith, all those guys have been doing on the running game, again, that continues to get stronger and be a big part of this uh, offense. Again, the University of Hawaii victorious over San Diego State this past Saturday, 14-11, to to capture the Mountain West Conference West Division title. They will be playing Boise State <laughs> next week for the Mountain West Conference Championship in Idaho. Kickoff set for 11 a.m. Hawaii time in that one. But first, they're going to have to take on the Army Black Knights on senior night. We're going to be talking a little bit about that matchup against Army uh, in a few minutes on Bo's football final mailbox because we have a really insightful question that was sent in that I want to mm -hmm. save uh, for that point. But we shall see what the crowd will look like for senior night. This is a team that absolutely should be celebrated. You saw it with the Rainbow Wahine volleyball team last week in capturing the Big West Conference title on senior night where it was a sellout at the Stan Sheriff Center. Mm -hmm. Although you only need 10,300 to sell out the Stan Sheriff Center, you had way more than that at Aloha Stadium, but the venue is bigger and football it, it, the the history of the people coming down to Aloha Stadium obviously held to a different regard. 21,000 show up for the San Diego State game, a game that was billed as a West Division championship, as the biggest game in a decade. Are you concerned with 21,000 at Aloha Stadium? Now, keep in mind, you know, people are going to bring up Janet Jackson was here in concert, my right. cameraman Eric, who loves the bows and goes to home games, went to the Janet Jackson <laughs> concert, brought up, I saw the pictures on Instagram, no aka. <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously, I don't think the interest has dissipated.
because everybody is talking about the University of Hawaii football team uh, from Sunday on. But you need people in the seats. And 21,000, are you mm -hmm. concerned at all? And the last thing I'll say before I, I allow you to answer, because I'm being super Portuguese right now, is I felt it was one of those quality over quantity type crowds because they yeah. were loud. And for the first time in a while, everyone talks about the, the glory days of the Aloha Stadium shaking. Uh, it felt like that venue was shaking despite there only being 21,000. Well, first of all, he's Portuguese, I'm Italian, so yeah. right now that's why we like each other so much because we love to talk. But no, I agree with that. I think even though it was a 21,000-person crowd, they got into this football game. They were excited from the very beginning because of the way that defense played. And, you we you know, Spectrum, pay-per-view, I'm sure that we had many uh, hits for this game because I thought the local media, I thought social media, I thought there was talk in, in the boardrooms, in, in, in the offices, in all through Hawaii that this was an important game. So I thought that the hype was there. I, th I think people re recognize that this game meant something. And I think if you look at social media, if you look at people talking about this game, if you talk to anybody in your neighborhoods, they were watching in the cul-de-sacs, you know, uh, the Spectrum pay-per-view. They came to the stadium. They were following the game even if they're at the concert. They, there, was, there was interest in this football game. But it is disheartening to see dissipation in fan base because that's what helps pay the bills. And if we ever want to be, you know, playing these Pac-12 teams, which we beat Arizona and Oregon State, uh, which we're scheduling in the future, these big time programs that have resources beyond belief, somehow, some way, each and every one of us has to contribute financially to this program. And that is by going to the game. And I think if you go to the game, there's some good things that happen by actually being at the game, witnessing things live. So, you know, we encourage people. Senior night to me is like no other senior festivities in college football, started by Blaine Geis and Keone Jardine, all those guys, Keith uh, Ewan and all those guys back in 1978, 79. And I think the tradition deserves the respect of these players and you talked about these walk-on plays there's not many guys from this class that are going to play in the national football league but there's a lot of guys that have been here when this program was horrible and they stayed with nick rolovich and they believed in the future of this program so the support and the love and the and the aloha we have to send to these guys i think needs to be shown on senior night Absolutely, and it's time to go to Bo's football final mailbox, as I told you a couple of moments ago. And, of course, you can always send questions and comments to social media. My Instagram page, at Rob DeMello. Twitter, at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N. And the very first question is talking about senior night against the Army Black Knights. Now, keep in mind, the Rainbow Warriors will be taking on Boise State next week in the Mountain West Conference Championship game, which now then becomes the biggest game in over a decade for this program but before that, you have your regular season finale. So the question is, how do coaches handle the personnel for this Bows vs. Knights game? Do you play your starters? Do you play? I mean, the, the questions have been, who's starting a quarterback, Cole McDonald or Chevin Cordero? I, I think this is the one week where you say, is Justin Awahinui starting at quarterback for the University of Hawaii? Because at the end of the day, a victory over Army will be huge for this program. Yes, it's a brand name opponent. It will give you nine wins on the season, which mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of nine win seasons in this program's history. But at the same time, the game that you want to win is the following week. No matter what happens against Army, right. 
That is what matters. So you're a former defensive yeah. coordinator, you're a former assistant coach, a former associate head coach, a former head coach at the high school level. What do you do? Well, I think uh, Herm Edwards said it best. You play the game to win. And when I say that, you know, you brought up this is a triple option team. And triple option teams cut block. There's inj more injury potential. And you mentioned if you lose a player at this level, you know, the drop-off is usually large. You're already kind of hurt and banged up at the linebacker position. There's some other positions, the safety position that's very thin. And, you know, there's not a lot of depth really at any position, maybe more so than maybe in the past. But you got to consider the fact that you want to come out of this game healthy but I think Corey Batoon and that defensive staff after the performance versus Air Force and even offensively these guys want to show that they're better than that they're going to go out and execute at a high level they want to make it three games in a row where this defense is much more dominant and I think even offensively you know Cole McDonald has a chip on his shoulder Chevin Cadero wants to prove that he should be the guy against Boise State and hopefully both of them will get the opportunity to show what they can do but I think this coaching staff goes in there with understanding that we don't want to get a guy hurt. And if a guy is not really 100%, you sit him because you need him to be 100% the following game. But I think this staff, with the pride of these players and the staff, they're going to play this game to win. We shall see what happens on the football field at Aloha Stadium and the Rainbow Warriors take on Army this Saturday at Aloha Stadium. It will be a later kickoff, 7.30 at night for this ball game. So uh, it's going to be a little different than what people are used to. And who knows if that's going to be good or bad for the fans because if there's one thing Hawaii people hate, it's change, right? <laughs> and if it's, the game's not at 6 o'clock, then it's, ah, I don't want to go anymore. It is on free TV, so we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm hopeful that coming off of the big win over San Diego State that, you know, interest is being generated, that people are prideful about this and team. And the military crowd well, as absolutely, well. Absolutely, absolutely. And one thing that Nick Rolovich said uh, following the game on Saturday is that he hopes this is a team that Hawaii can be proud of. And I think absolutely yeah. this is a team that Hawaii should be proud of. Yeah, and if you're not proud of this team, you're not looking at the scope of things. And sometimes we do live week to week. We live performance by performance. You see it, whether it's the quarterback or you see it, whether it's the defense that was maligned at one time. And now all of a sudden we're patting them on the back. And again, this is the world we live in. But if you're not proud of this football team, I promise you there's something wrong with you because <laughs> they face resiliency. They face adversity. They've played well. They've done a lot of things that this program has never done. And so for that to be said, hopefully everybody's proud. Absolutely. Uh, Next question on the Bose Football Final Mailbox comes from a viewer in Las Vegas mm. who is wondering what would it need to take for the Rainbow Warriors to return to their island, the Ninth Island, and participate in the Las Vegas Bowl. Now keep in mind the Hawaii Bowl already has an opponent, BYU. All they need is another player to make that game complete at Aloha Stadium and I think any other year that's a slam dunk saying yes. BYU, Hawaii wow. in a bowl game, where do I sign up? Now there are interesting things that, that could potentially happen. If Hawaii were to upset Boise State and be Mountain West Conference champion, uh, in theory, the Mountain West yes. Conference champ would play a Pac-12 opponent in the Las Vegas Bowl. The other thing in play is even if Boise State is victorious over Hawaii, Boise State could go to a New Year's Six game, which takes away the Mountain West yes. Conference champion, which leaves a hole in the Las Vegas Bowl to play a Pac-12 opponent. So what are your thoughts? What, what would the scenario have to be for Hawaii to not play BYU in the Hawaii Bowl, which, before you answer, would be amazing, yes. right? I mean, yes. the Bows and BYU in the, in the Hawaii Bowl would be amazing, but what would it take for them 
to be playing in Las Vegas on, I believe, December 17th. Well, I think you mentioned it. If they do beat Boise State, then I think there's going to be some uh, conversation within the conference, within Nick Rolovich, the head coach of the University of Hawaii, and Dave Matlin, the athletic director, because there is a financial gain to stay home, obviously, and play BYU because the amount of tickets that will be sold in that bowl game. And, you know, that bowl was created so that Hawaii would have seven, eight, nine wins and have a bowl game to play in. So you have to take that into consideration, loyalty. But I think phase two, part of the Nick Rolovich phase two is if we have a chance to go to a mainland bowl mm. in Las Vegas and play hypothetically a Washington or a USC, that takes us to a new level possibly in terms of the national narrative of where this program goes, which helps in recruiting. And when it helps in recruiting, it hopefully helps in every other thing to make this program a big time program. All right. I like that answer. And so hopefully that answered your question. We'll see what happens, though. But we're not going to know anything regarding bowl games until that Mountain West Conference championship game is completed. And on that Sunday where the New Year's Six games are paired up and then the dominoes fall in regards to that to the other bowl games. And uh, speaking of the Boise State Broncos, since we talked about them and their potential of a New Year's Day um, bowl game and their potential as a Mountain West Conference champion. They will be facing the Rainbow Warriors. Boise State is a team that gave Hawaii a pretty good beating in Idaho not that long ago. Our final question is, realistically, does the University of Hawaii have a chance against Boise State? Rich, how do you feel that Hawaii can turn the tables from the effort that they had against the Broncos? And, and keep in mind, we're going to yeah. be talking about this again right. next week. Of before the Boise State yes. game, but just real quickly on the surface, uh, how what tells you that Hawaii can compete in a Mountain West Conference title game against Boise? What tells me is the second half of the Washington game. What tells me is also in spots when they played Boise State in terms of being able to score points. I think if this defense can play uh, even close to what it played like this past week against San Diego State, what we saw against UNLV, what we saw in Reno, and I think this defense is better. I think there's more pride in it. I think there's more understanding. I think there's more of alignment and assignment. And then I think offensively, we're going to continue to score points. It's because it's who we are, what we do, and we do it well. So I think Hawaii will have a chance against Boise State. I think Hawaii will have a chance no matter who they play in whatever bowl game they play. If they play at the top of their game, and I think if that happens, hey, they can compete with these teams. I'm going to give you a bonus one. I'm going to send this one in myself, all right? <laughs> to Rich Miano. Back-to-back -back weeks, the University of Hawaii held to two offensive touchdowns. Yes. I believe that San Diego State and UNLV are two of the better defenses in the Northwest Conference. Coached. And a, a lot of people, they, they look at UNLV's record and right. they don't feel that way. But watching the game of football, I was so impressed with UNLV and the athletes that they have. So the back-to-back the -back weeks of only two mm -hmm. touchdowns, mm -hmm. did that happen because of game plan? I mean, because you saw in both of those games, Hawaii didn't go try to yeah. take off the top very much. They didn't go deep. They didn't They didn't stretch the field. And I almost feel like they were trying to win the time of possession battle with some of the play calls that they had. Is scoring 14 points a nature of the design of how you're running that offense that week? Or do you think that this offense has stalled? 
No, I think this offense is still a very good and very productive offense and a very diversified offense. But you mentioned UNLV, first of all, if anybody that follows college football recognized they had four interceptions against San Jose State and beat them this week. They were way more athletic than I thought because I didn't really follow them. And then when I looked at this San Diego State team, I knew Rocky Long's philosophy. I knew how well they're coached. I knew that Brady Hoke was the defensive line coach and they had a young coordinator who was sharp. And you look at the athleticism, you look at the length, you look at the ability to take the ball away second in the nation against the rushing defense, whatever, and then having athletes in the back end. So I knew this game was going to be under in terms of the over and under, and it was going to be hard to score points. I thought Hawaii did a good job of methodically taking what this defense gave them, and I still think that this offense is capable of big plays because if you decide to take away Bird and Ward, Sharsh and Smart, if you decide to run too high, it's Miles Reed and Freddie Holly. This offense is, is a very, very good offense, and whether you have to win it with you know methodical drives because they're dropping eight and they have great secondary play. As long as the quarterback stays within this office, offense, I'm so impressed by the play calling of Brian Smith, Craig Stutzman, and Nick Rolovich. What a weekend it was. The University of Hawaii football team, Mountain West Conference, West Division champions in 2019. Again, they take on Army on senior night this week and then the following week, it will be at Boise State for the conference title. One thing that we talked about last week on this show, that I think still stands true today and that if you are a UH football fan and you are listening to this, you do your part by talking about University of Hawaii football. That, you know, a lot of people ask the question of, of how can we help the program? How can we make it better? How can we bring back the glory days? And, and that is how it is. You talk about Rainbow Warrior football when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're with your family. That is something that has been lost over the years during the, the rough times mm -hmm. of this program where after Greg McMacken left and before Nick Rolovich got here, where people just stopped talking about yes. Hawaii football. Mm -hmm. and, it, it, and if there's one thing that I could say that you just absolutely need to do is put UH football out there in your community. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be forcing people to buy tickets. You make them want to buy a ticket because they are the only person not keeping up with it. Yeah. That all the conversations at work are about Cole McDonald and Shevin Cordero and Darius Muasau and Lincoln Victor and all these names that they don't know. And then they feel like they're out of it, right? Is that FOMO that we're talking about, the fear of missing out. Is that, oh man, I don't even know who these guys are. I better start watching UH football. That is what people can do, right? Yeah, it's organic. It's valaal. You got to, you know, talk story with your neighbors, whatever else, and, and get them involved in this athletic program. Because whether it's men's volleyball, whether it's the women's volleyball selling out Stan Sheriff, whether it's the hype of the, the Hawaii Rainbow Warrior football team competing for a Mountain West championship and playing in that game. It all helps in terms of it's our only Division One program. We don't have professional sports, and we should be proud, especially of our local athletes that are participating. Absolutely. Again, University of Hawaii takes on Army this Saturday on senior night as you can celebrate the Warriors that helped get the program to where it is today. And then, of course, Mountain West Conference title game against Boise State on December 7th in Idaho. We will be with you every step of the way here on Bose Football Final. You can catch us every Monday at khon2.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify. For Rich Miano, I'm Rob DeMello. We'll catch you next time on Bose Football Final.